0: Welcome to We Are the Guard, the Arkansas National Guard's podcast. I'm Lieutenant Colonel Brian Mason, your host and the state public affairs officer. In this edition of We Are the Guard, we continue in a series of discussions focusing on behavioral health. May is National Mental Health Awareness Month, and like any other Awareness Month or communications campaign, we try to focus on the subjects that our guardsmen and their families will want to hear. What we want our listeners to understand with this series is that if you or someone you know is dealing with mental health issues, you can find the support you need with our various resources. Today, we're speaking with Lieutenant Colonel Chaplain Jeremy Miller, the state chaplain for the Arkansas Army National Guard. Welcome to our podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Chaplain, when we talk about mental health, we generally associate it with some specific terms. Um like anxiety or depression or even suicidal ideations or suicide itself. But there are many areas and facets in which someone might experience a situation that might require some more specific and targeted resources, like in the areas of sexual assault, post-traumatic stress disorder, traumatic brain injury, domestic abuse, child abuse, and substance abuse and those types of disorders health and wellness counseling and behavioral health treatment services also falls into that realm. In some other associated podcasts, we're going to have some in-depth discussion with our director of behavioral health, and we'll certainly talk to Dr. Williams, the resilience and risk reduction program manager. But today, Chaplain, I want to provide a touch point with one of the pillars of wellness. Fitness as a guardsman is a three-legged stool, in my opinion. There's physical fitness, intellectual fitness, and spiritual fitness. And if one leg is shorter than the other, uh, or one really doesn't exist, the stool's unbalanced. and It's going to fall over. The physical is just that, being physically healthy and physically fit and strong. Being mentally fit is more of a matter of applying your education, continuing to learn and grow, and then being spiritually fit, really encompasses things like emotions and social connections, family connections, and so much more. What does spiritual wellness
1: mean, Chaplain? Absolutely. That is a great question to start off with today because really my job as a chaplain is going to be one of those that focuses on caring for the spirit of a soldier and an airman. And as we care for those individuals, we have to make sure that we know really what we're focusing on. So as any Army officer is going to, I The first thing that we look at is what does the regulation say? This is a great example that we have here. FM 7 22, Holistic Health and Fitness, actually gives us a phenomenal definition. I just want to read it for you today, and this will be the only thing that I read in a canned way. Everything else is just a conversation here. It says that the army defines spiritual readiness as the development of the personal qualities needed to sustain a person in times of stress, hardship, and tragedy. The qualities come from religious or philosophical or human values and from the basis and form the basis for character disposition, and the decision-making, and it also uh, helps us to understand integrity. Now, when we look at that, it applies to religious and non-religious individuals. So my job that I really focus on is how do we address that area? Because as the religious officer, and for those of our listeners that maybe say, what does a chaplain do? Well, in the Army, we have all sorts of areas. We have all sorts of jobs, from firefighters to legal. Well, I am the religious support. And so I'm that individual that helps care for the spirit of our fighting men and women. Chaplain, I want to back up
0: a minute. Tell us about your position and how many chaplains we have in the Arkansas National Guard. But most importantly, what services do the chaplains offer to our soldiers,
1: our airmen and our families? So, as far as the chaplaincy goes on the full-time side, I'm the senior chaplain for uh, for the generals, and so I work as the full-time support chaplain here at Camp Robinson. We also have each wing with their full-time support chaplains, and occasionally we're able to uh, to take care of our folks in Northwest Arkansas by having coverage with, with chaplain support there and at Fort Chaffee. As far as what does a chaplain provide, and we do the normal religious support, you would think anything that a pastor does in the civilian world, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be there for the birth, we're going to be there for the deaths, and we're going to be there during the times of struggles and tragedies, but we're also going to be there to spiritually feed you along the way with everything from counseling to actually worship services. If I was to really nug things down to three core components of chaplaincy, what we like to say is we nurture the living, we comfort the wounded, and we honor the dead. Now, in that, you can pack so many things. We nurture the living through our worship services, making sure that we provide for everyone to have the free exercise of religion. But then we also comfort the wounded. There are times whenever soldiers and airmen, whether they're religious or not, just need someone that they can confidentially come to. And that that term confidentiality is very key with us because everything that a, that a soldier or airman brings is 100% protected communication. They can unburden themselves. They can talk to us and begin to heal from the wounds of whatever they're facing in life. And then the last thing is honor the dead. We want to be there to honor those that we've lost along the way. We want to be there to bury and to, to um, make sure that we, like I said, honor those individuals that are no longer with us. Support the family and friends. Support the family and friends along the way. That's right. Chaplain, I heard you say whether they're religious
0: or not. Spiritual fitness and wellness doesn't mean that you're connected specifically with a religion, per se. I guess it most certainly could be, but does it also refer to finding meaning and purpose in life? I mean, aren't we really trying to foster
1: a sense of hope? That's really what we are talking about here. There's a lot of times where people lose hope. That's one reason why they make poor decisions. That's one reason why they invest themselves in certain directions for so long. And, We want to make sure that we're pointing people to where they're finding hope from. Now, for me, I have a faith tradition that I'm a part of. Uh, It it actually matches up with a lot of individuals across Arkansas. Well, we also have chaplains that we recruit to make sure that we have a, a large plurality, a large amount of soldiers and airmen that are covered by our religious support teams. But we also know that there are soldiers and airmen in our ranks that have no religious preference whatsoever. Well, we are still that individual who is going to care for their souls. Because they have to to find meaning. They have to find hope to keep going in certain times. And that may not have a basis in religion. It may have a basis in family traditions or other other items in their life. We want to be there for them so that they have someone to care for them. So if I'm a soldier uh, or an airman who might lean atheistic, um,
0: I may not necessarily approach a chaplain. There's a stigma there.
1: Should there be? No, there's, there's never going to be a stigma there. It's to be the same thing as uh, as someone who cares for the body in a medical sort of way. If I say, well, listen, they're primarily in this other area, and, I, and maybe I believe in a, a holistic health. Maybe I'm a, a person who believes more natural medicine. Well, that doesn't mean that in a certain case that I can't get good sound direction, good sound help from someone who has this background. And so the same thing is this. I have conversations daily with individuals who do not practice, number one, the same faith that I practice, or number two, a faith at all and yet we still find common ground in the fact that we are in the military. We find common ground in our natural struggles. We find common ground on everything. I mean, it could be the same types of trucks, the same types of things that we enjoy. Sometimes that uh, we can rejoice over certain victories or certain failures. And as all Arkansans, we have our hopes and dreams rise and fall on the uh, how good the hogs or the, uh, the ASU uh, wolves are doing. Thanks for bringing that in. Oh, you're welcome.
0: <laughs> well, Chaplain, as you well know, I'm originally from Minnesota, big Vikings fan. What if I were to tell you I was of the Norse religion and I wanted to grow a beard? Could I do
1: that? Uh, We do. We have policies for that because everybody has a religious accommodation that they can make. And we are going to have those. Uh, So so I kind of look at that question and, and would answer it simply in this way. If a soldier, an airman comes to us and says, I have a sincerely held religious belief, we have a process to be able to try to meet that need. Now, there's gonna be lots of levels. They may say, I need my food in a certain way. They need a halal meal. Well, we wanna be able to provide that for them. They need a kosher meal. And especially maybe during certain times, they need to be able to practice certain worship practices that, that is not going to be facilitated unless we do some arrangement. Well, that's what the chaplain do, does. We speak into that situation and help the commander and the soldier or airman to meet the religious need along the way. And some of those could be religious customs such as beards, turbans, hijabs. And so we just face whatever it is with the proper procedures and the proper way to walk them through it. So bringing us back around to mental health. Well, and I will say this, I can't do anything about your, you being a fan of the Vikings. I'm sorry about <laughs> that. I can't help you in that area.
0: Yeah, most, most seasons I need a little extra help anyway. <laughs> Chaplain, what are some of the common issues that you and the other chaplains might face regarding mental health with our guardsmen and their families?
1: Yeah, so if I look at mental health and I talk about the spirit See, sometimes in our heads, we know what the right thing to do, but our hearts, uh, I like to use this term all the time in my tradition, it's our hearts are idle factories. They they are looking for something to give all of our attention, our devotion to. And so it really depends on what type of soldier I'm talking to. And I'm going to talk soldier for just a second. If I'm talking about a young enlisted person, an officer, they're going to be really dealing with potential issues like poor decision-making. They might deal with poor decision-making because they don't have a lot of life experience. So they don't know what is right and what is wrong. So we're dealing with taking them to the side and saying, okay, you did this and you made some people angry. You made some people mad. Your career's not over. Don't worry. And helping to build them back up to make better decisions because they don't have that experience. We also have to talk with them about how to deal with stress. Young lieutenants, They have no basis. And so they think, well, wait a second, how do I deal with this? How do I work through this? And the chaplain comes along, hugs them. Uh, And and then really relationships. If I'm dealing with mid-grade officers, maybe some folks in their that 10-year mark, mid, middle of their career, we're talking about, are you still committed as you were at first? Because there's that crisis of conscience. Should I should I stay? Should I go? And, and they're not really sure. Do they still believe and have that purpose that we, we talk about all the time? And if I'm dealing with senior leaders, this is my favorite. And I have seen this more and more as the, the leadership with the Arkansas National Guard dealing with the question and wrestling with this question of, are we doing the right thing by our troops? Are we absolutely doing the right thing the best way possible? So we can set up panels. We can have discussions. We can make sure that people are held accountable. But are we doing it the best way possible? Because they are the ones who can really make these big movements and changes. And I like to see the fact that they are stopping to pause and question it and look at actions and say, okay, we we are or we can always do better. And and I I love working with them and listening to them as they begin to deal with those items.
0: Let's talk about suicides. The 22 is a commonly used number in suicide discussions, but it includes both service members and veterans. When we focus on just us here in Arkansas, Mm -hmm. and we are a microcosm of society, we've experienced those tragedies in the Arkansas National Guard. And we're a very close-knit family here. So when it does occur, we mourn those losses. And we always try to answer the why questions. What are some of the reasons why
1: a soldier or an airman would take their own life? I have wrestled with that almost my entire career. And to the point of I have been on the receiving end of a phone call to a young man getting out of treatment, promising that he was okay, and being the last person that spoke to him before he took his life. I've been on the receiving end of a phone call from a chaplain who said, I have to resign my commission. And I said, why? And it was because he had dealt with this issue so long that he could no longer serve because it just took everything out of him. And so to, to really answer this question, you got to separate out two things to really have the conversation. We talk about veterans and we talk about service members. So let's talk about service members right now, currently serving And let's talk just Arkansas National Guard. Well, if we were to deal with that day to day, no, we don't deal. Thankfully, I feel we are blessed, but we are not dealing with 22 veterans a day. If you look at the larger military around the world for the United States military, we can lose a lot of soldiers, a lot of airmen, a lot of Marines that that are struggling. And maybe they're not making the decision to take their life but they're making very poor life decisions that are going to get them out of the service. And so they're really creating some sort of suicide, if you will, with their with their careers, with their families. They're, they're ending things permanently. And so while we don't see 22 a day on that side of things, where I am really concerned is on the veteran community side. So if we look at that first part of the veterans, we do. We see a lot of individuals who have... Stepped out of the ranks, taken off the uniform, and they have lost connection. And, the, and this year alone, I can say that while we have, I've, have not lost certain numbers of current service members, we have sadly buried a lot of veterans who have taken their own lives. And and as they've done that, you ask the question, why? We we always struggle with the why. And this put my life on a trajectory that I wanted to answer that question and I wanted to answer it for the Arkansas National Guard. So I took a study. I took every serious incident report, every 15-6 investigation, every interview that I possibly could, when I knew that a soldier was struggling, when I knew that a soldier uh, had taken their life, an airman had taken their life, I wanted to get all of that data in. And so in 2018, In 2019, I took all of that data, really, I say 2017 and 2018, I took all of that data and I put it on a a big, almost like a threat matrix. Uh, It was a, a large radar chart and said, which direction does the information pull itself? Where are we having stressors? Now, 2020, we dealt with a lot of isolation and problems from that. Prior to 2020, I could tell you that there wasn't a single case of isolation-related suicide. Someone was alone, had no friends, and they took their life. However, I can say this, that, that after dealing with all this, I can boil it down to about four areas that I now counsel people on. I talk about addressing idol worship. What is that thing that if it was taken from you right now, you would die without it? You would be less of a human being. You would you feel like your life is over and possibly you would be willing to lie, cheat, and steal to get that thing back. Because if that's the case, that's an idol in your life and it's dictating everything about you. You know, people make identities for themselves through work, through other people, through things, through sometimes their own families. They've created this world and when that world comes crashing down, that's whenever they feel like, Okay, now I'm constricted. Now I can't have the same life. And so this life has to end permanently. There's other times where I talk about letting go of depression. Now, here I need to be very clear. I never tell someone, stop taking medication, stop being under the treatment of a doctor. In fact, some of my best friends are those individuals in our ranks who help service members who are struggling. And But what I do talk about is you need to stop believing that your current state needs to be your end state. We want to end life because we feel like nothing is ever going to change. Like the weather in Arkansas, it changes daily. And if we're depressed, it may be a hard day. It may be a hard life. It may be a hard season. But listen, life is not always going to be this way. And sometimes you just got to struggle alongside someone and help them to be able to see that it's not always going to be this way. So you can let go of thinking that depression is never ending. And then you've got things like learning that, You have options. I I studied this and found that the data pulled itself in so many directions, but one of those particular ones was people making knee-jerk reactions. We always hear this, you know, you make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Well, that is the case. I coach, and you mentioned this at the very beginning, you talk about that three-legged stool. Well, I coach fitness. I teach teenagers And one of my favorite things that teenagers ever tell me is, but it hurts whenever I'm talking to them. I say, yes, it's supposed to hurt because if you're doing something now that hurts, if you're willing to do hard work, understand that hard work pays off. But at the same time, that hard work is going to teach you how to deal with hard times. That's what we need to be able to do. We need to talk about how to deal with hard times as opposed to trying to escape the immediate pain of the situation. The last thing that I talk about is setting right relationships. So often, we have certain people in our lives that are just toxic. Sometimes, in certain situations, you and I can be toxic, maybe even towards each other. And so, if that's the case, then we've got to be able to understand how do I set a relationship right? How do I do the right things? How do I say the right things? One of the biggest things that chaplains do these days is relationship skill training. We teach couples, we take individuals. From across the spectrum of the military, and we bring them together on weekend events or small unit led events, and we teach them, we call it strong bonds, and we want to teach them about what right relationships look like. Now, as a chaplain, I noticed that all of the data pulled itself in one other direction, that people felt like they were in this alone. So, as a chaplain, as a man of faith, I tell people listen, if you're If you're so inclined, if you're so willing, I want you to realize that you're not in this alone. You can connect your worship with God. You can connect with God to be able to help you through whatever this situation is. Because even whenever I'm not standing in the room, you can go before God in prayer. And so we have those types of conversations. Now, going back to what we mentioned earlier, there are those who say, these things are going to help me, but I'm not religious. Well, then that's okay. I still want to put this out there. You pick it up, great. And if you don't, Still great. I want to see you get through to tomorrow because I care for you. I love you. And that's the purpose of really what we do as chaplains. Can we talk about coping
0: mechanisms for a minute? We know that alcohol and drugs don't work. Connections are important, as are good behaviors and habits. Are there any other good things that we might
1: need to seek out to help us through some of life's rough patches? One of the most amazing things that I saw was a statistic that generally holds true year in and year out. The SPARK Conference back in 2017 actually published this data. It showed that people who were struggling needed to be able to find a community they needed to have a group. Now, that as a larger idea was saying connecting them in worship with uh, with their faith tr- tradition, their faith background. But understand that if we're going to truly see somebody that uh, can can. Have some positive coping mechanisms. Number one is that they are taking the time to invest in people. This is, this is one of the core components that we as chaplains are trying to really stress these days. We want you to invest in people because if you're serving, you're not living to be served. That's a, that's a positive coping mechanism that you are spending time investing in other people. We talk about connecting people in spirit. So what are the things that we share as individuals? As we're connecting, we're going to have some common ground. Well, let's celebrate the things that we have common ground on. And then the last one is cultivating community. I have got to understand that the Guard is a family. Whenever we lose someone, we mourn as a family. Whenever we have victories, we, we celebrate as a family. Whenever troops are getting off of the plane from a year-long deployment We hug their necks because we've missed our family. And that's the entire goal that we need to be able to have. Those are the positive moments. But it all revolves around staying connected with a group of individuals, a group of individuals that really has those connections that make you feel like, okay, I've I've got a part in this tribe. I've got a part in this family.
0: So for a short period in 2020 when COVID-19 essentially shut down a lot of what we normally do, we lost some connections. How do we
1: regain those? Effort. We stand back up. We go to those areas that we know are still there, and we make those connections. Here's a good example. I hand out daily breads. I've not been able to do that for quite some time, going office to office, every cubicle, handing out... Hundreds. In the early days of 2020, we didn't know transmission spread, we didn't know protective PPE. There was a lot of unknowns. And so we had to suspend a lot of things. But I'm thankful now that we can understand that through all of the different guidelines, all of the different things, we can we can safely reconnect with people. We really can. So we've got to make that effort. There are people who, even though those things are in place now, they don't want to make that effort because it's scary. But we need to make that effort. We need to step into those those worlds. In fact, I told someone just today, I will see you in two weeks to hand out the new daily breads. I'll be walking around to your office and I'm going to put one on your desk. They said, you'll come by? Yes, because I've got to make that effort to do it. I have to now break what has become a new normal. We've always used that word in 2020, the new normal. Well, sometimes you've got to break that mold and make a new new normal. And so we've got to return to uh, making an effort.
0: I guess I never really thought about it this way, but on occasion when I see my kids get ready to go somewhere, I ask them, what are you doing? Where are you going? Ah, oh, it's friend maintenance. Um, sometimes it's oh, family maintenance for me. I'm starting to use that terminology myself. And so I guess I never really put that together, but it's really necessary to stay connected,
1: maintain those helpful relationships, hunting the good stuff, so to speak. I like hunting the good stuff. It's, it, and it is because you've got to find it. And here's the way that I think it, it happens so often. We've got to hunt the good stuff, but it's like playing hide and seek with a parent. Whenever you're a three-year-old child, if I'm hiding behind a curtain I stick my foot out. It's not hard. I just got to look for it. And, you know, the little, the the child has got to look for my, I've got five kids. And so one of them has got to look for it. We've played a lot of hide and seek in my home as they grew up, but I've got to make it a little bit easier for them. See, so many people think that hunting that good stuff is going to be hard. It's going to be tough. It's going to be exhausting. It's not that hard. And it is absolutely rewarding. Chaplain, how can we let the force know about what we
0: offer or can do to assist them?
1: We have a full-time support office, and that office is the central hub that really reaches out to enable all of our chaplains in both air and Army components to do their jobs. They are doing a phenomenal job, and so we just are focused on resourcing them, getting needs to them. So if you have an individual that you're worried about, if you have someone that you maybe you need to get uh, referred to for counseling, someone that you want to be able to to connect with us in some way or to make sure that gets connected, I should say it that way, then call our office 501-212-5625. Call that number or go onto the website for the Arkansas National Guard. That's a great one. But then right now we're in the midst of launching and putting out this app. And I'll let you really talk more about that because you are, you have championed this thing. And so it, it helps us to be able to quickly connect a need uh, to a soldier, a need of a soldier to the care of a chaplain. I
0: think you said all it needed to be say, said about the app, chaplain. Um, yeah, we we pushed it out, but I mean, our customers are the ones who are selling it.
1: There you go. And, and it has, it's been rewarding so far to be able to see individuals use it. And as they get more familiar with it and the families get more familiar with it, then we're only going to see its its reach grow. There's a lot of great information on the app and
0: uh, awesome ways to instantaneously connect with the resource that you're looking for. Absolutely. We're speaking with Lieutenant Colonel Chaplain Jeremy Miller, the state chaplain for the Arkansas National Guard. Thanks for joining us on today's show. Thank you for having me.